I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome along the Live Lounge. Monday. It's a slightly busy one. It's been a manic day, gentlemen. Plenty going on over the last 48 hours or so. How are we both? I'm all right, mate. Very well indeed. Busy day so far, but another two hours to go. Uh, <laughs> God, I need to tell mine, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. After, so after we, we said all right. Oh well, yeah, but you weren't talking as loudly because you weren't as enthusiastic about the show. That that volume level is too loud. You're spiking. Is that better? <laughs> That's a bit better. Yeah, well done. So I can't I can't get my um normal microphone to work. So we've had to improvise, but we're getting there. Um, yeah. Look, it's um it's been busy. Yeah, if we need to put you on yeah. mute for two hours, we're all right. We don't have any dog. Oh, I would not complain at all. <laughs> I suppose at least I can't get in trouble. <laughs> Just hide that, hide behind you, then we're all right. You might do some work, man. <laughs> um, so I'm just putting out some links. It's been, it's been a bit mad, isn't it, boys? Let's be fair. Um. Third stream of the day for Gob. Um, plenty going on. I've not stopped, mate. Well, more importantly, what have you been up to today? Because everyone else has seen what I'm doing today. Well, what have uh, you been up to uh, today? Why, why have you left me all alone? Because we had the media day for the world launch in the Kazoo offices in London. Got to speak to. We shouldn't laugh. Michael and Fallon. <laughs> yeah, because because you don't ever get a chance to speak to either of those two, do you, Phil? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like to meet? What was it like to meet? I'm both, Phil. 
wow, you know, I only, I only <laughs> left Michael like five hours before or whatever it was. Um, no, look, we, um, we did some wild stuff and um, yeah, Fallon was there for the for the World Media Day. Are we, are we surprised? No. Nope. <laughs> and there's a reason um, for that. <laughs> We're not getting into it. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, it, it's officially Dartmouth now. Everything else in the darting world is done for the year. The season climax is now on the horizon. Now we can talk about the world. Whether God likes it or not, we can now talk about the Premier League as well because they all are. I'm okay with it now. I'm okay with it. We started talking about in September when we've got five PDC TV tournaments. Oh, not actually right. We not started speaking about it back in March when Danny Nopper won the UK Open. The, the as soon as he won it, it was is he going to be in the Prem? <laughs> That's when it started. Yeah, let's be honest. I've got a point that early in the year. Bugger off. <laughs> Right, because at that point, if you told me Danny Nopper's not in the Premier League, you'd have been laughed out of the room, especially as Michael Van Gerwen's won five TV tournaments this year. But there's a very, very good chance right now Michael Van Gerwen, uh, Danny Nopper's not in the Premier League. Because right. he hasn't really Let's backed be... it up to a substantial level and doesn't tick enough boxes. But we're going to review the Players' Championship finals first. So let's not get into this at nine minutes past eight. Right. No, 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 no. We're, we're going into this now. Before we, we touch on this, we're, we're going on the Premier League. We've started it now. Sod it. Balls. We're, we're going we're in. This at, show is way too busy. At 10 past 8, we're, we're going in. Right now, how many of those eight spots are done, do you think? Because of what you've told me from this weekend or because of what I genuinely think? I think what you think. Four. I think five are done. Hum- Humphreys is in. I, can see an I think. I can see an Four. Well done number five. Two TV semi-finals this year, and the recency bias at the end of the year. I think five are locked. I think the top four as they are, yeah. and Luke Humphreys are in. Well, the top five there. <laughs> For me, yeah. four and. Fifth is heavily penciled, but for me, you talked about back end of the year, which is biased on the back end of the year. But if he loses second round, that opens it up a little bit more. Yeah, but the the issue with that is no one else has really massively staked a claim, and all the potentials aren't all going to get to a world semi final. Well, two of them are in the same part of the draw. That's what I mean. So they all can't get there, is the thing. So even if even if Luke were to well, fall early at the world, which I don't think outside of ones, I guess. But Ross Smith and Dirk Van Dyvenbode are certainly in the conversation somewhere. Whether they're front runners in the conversation, different argument, but they're in the same part of the draw according to the seeding bracket. They'd meet I in think, the thirty two. I, I think one of them is more in the conversation than the other. And surprisingly, I think the one that is more in the conversation isn't the major winner. Yeah. I, 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 right now, I, I, I genuinely think 
we fill two more seats next to Ross, um, next to Rob Cross and Paul Nicholson. I think there is another two going into the club. If if, if I'm picking it right now, if 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 the Premier League were to be picked right now, I genuinely think it would be Price, MVG, Wright, Smith, Humphreys, Cullen, Clayton, Aspinall. If it was, to be, I think that was the that would be the eight right now. Look, we've still got a Worlds and maybe a Masters for that to change. But if it was right now, I think that's the eight. At uh, twelve minutes past eight, I'm going to do it. Fuck the Masters. <laughs> It should not be part of the conversation. Get get the beat machine ready for the podcast version of this, but that that should never be part of the conversation. The PDC have bottled making a decision two years in a row, got away with it a little bit in terms of that's produced Johnny Clayton and Joe Cullen, but absolutely sack off the Masters having anything to do with Premier League selection. Or, Dob, if there's one year to do it and focus on it, surely it's got to be a year where you've got four certainties or neon certainties. You'd be very surprised if that changes. And then you've got a, a selection of players where last year and the year before, we've always been around that seven are picked. Previous years, nine have been picked, where it's been very much just the one place. This year, we're probably debating three, maybe four positions. So, there's probably more on the Masters than there has been previous well, years. They always first time they introduce somebody else to that conversation. Say that then. What happens if everybody that's in that, that four for two all lose first round? This, this, this is what I mean. They've got lucky. The, the last two years, they've got extremely lucky that none of the top four went on to win the Masters and they've catapulted someone in. What happens if, come the Masters, the semi-final lineup is the top four in the world? Then it's <coughs> an absolute damn grid. The top four guarantee. In between the semi-final and the final of the Masters, you have a Premier League playoff game with the people who are still in <laughs> Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's no okay, other players in the league contention. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And I, what, what MVG said at Minehead was also funny when Dan pressed him on, on Danny Knopper and the, the answer was, yes, he's a good player, but he has nothing about him. He, he said it all by saying it. He gave every other... Thing apart from he's boring. That boring man has won more PDC TV majors this year than 125 other tour card holders. He may be. However, remember the video I played you of the voiceovers from the Worlds last year that we shouldn't have heard. No, I don't. That when Wayne was doing his pre-records for the Premier League picks, and we heard them. No, I don't remember yesterday. Yes, you do. (laughs) I don't. Um, I 
okay. You're, I genuinely do don't. This is a mean. The fact a voiceover was done for a certain someone. Maybe. I don't know. Don't know what that is. <laughs> um, we move on to talk about the weekend now. Oh, okay. If we must. Um, right. Players' Championship Finals. All done, dusted. The dress rehearsals are over. No second chances now. All done. First of all, chat room as well. Get involved. What was your first thoughts of the Players' Championship Finals this year? I quite liked it. I don't remember a bad tournament at head. Even the one behind closed doors delivered stories. That's UK Open and Players' Championship. Yeah, um... No, you know it did. There, there was there was some there was some good bits, there was some bad bits. There was a couple of real hideous games on the main stage on Friday. Um, was it who did Dimitri play on Friday? Uh, uh, Dimitri against Martin Lukeman when they both just had an absolute mare. Um, and I'm going to call it now. Dimitri needs to swap those darts and swap them quick. Otherwise, it's going to be a disastrous world. I get he's changed manufacturer and they put an awful lot of money into him, but they do not work. He doesn't group them the way he grouped the others. They're sporadic and they just don't work for him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, well, one thing back to the back to the tournament as a, as a whole, one thing that I liked, I enjoyed the, the Friday all in one session. I know there's a reason it was done this year and next year it will return, but from a from a fan perspective, I love the eight hours just over eight, was it eight and a half hours maybe, of just non-stop darts. Um, they probably need to work on how they're reporting what's happening on a second stage when first stage is taking place, because if you're watching both, you get a bit screwed over, just to tell you an update that's going up. Um, but generally, the the all in one sort of session on day one, I, I thought it was a improvement on the split session on that Friday for the players' championships. I understand why it wouldn't work for the UK Open, but for the players, I was all for it. And look, we we, we never hide or or shirk on here. The ITV coverage was arguably the worst ITV tournament ever. Mace, on the Sunday, single-handedly carried their team. And all weekend, Mace was magical. Mark Webster, Dan Dawson, brilliant. The rest, absolutely horrific. We had Rob Searle, um, Raymond van der Voort, the BDU, um, the, the 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 list goes goes on. Um, it was look. Basically, look. I, I feel for Ned Bolton because that's not his main role. Like he's a presenter elsewhere, but actually he's a roaming reporter. That's a little bit easier. There's a little less pressure. You've got to anchor things. You've got people in your ears. You've got information to remember, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That was a tough one. 
Um, John Rawlins struggled on the Friday because he couldn't say there's a break after this leg because there just wasn't. It was just the end of the match. They played straight through. The rest of it, just far too many mistakes from him. Um, look, Stuart Pike for years has been very, very good. The fact he's one of the only people that work across both ITV and Sky's coverage tells you everything you need to know about Pike. And the fact he was one of the, the old school boys. He's worked with the legends and he's transitioned pretty well. But I think his time is coming to an end as well. There was far too many. And I'm not saying we're perfect and I'm not trying to criticise people that are in the industry as well. But I just think some people... When you've got people like Dan Dawson waiting in the wings and Paul Nicholson and Chris Murphy and Mace and Webby and Mardle and whoever else is available at the minute, right? They are, Dan Dawson in particular, is is raising the bar, I think, in terms of the knowledge you have to have to cover darts. Right? He is ridiculous. His, his notebooks, the way that he keeps track of everything, the fact he works on the Euro Tour certainly helps, etc., but his all-around knowledge and stats and, and ability to recall matches that played at Pro Tour two and a half years ago or whatever is ridiculous. You can't get by just by knowing what's gone on on your TV channel in the last couple of years. You can't rely on that. You can't rely on walking into the press room and asking whoever for a stats sheet for this match because it's not enough. Because if certain things don't happen, you've got absolutely nothing to lean on. The, the fact Webby went home on the Saturday night, Dan Dawson was reduced to just roaming reporter for the weekend. Nico stayed but was on the events team elsewhere and whatever else. It just felt a little bit of a waste. Like, I appreciate that it's Alan Moore and a Little's job and it's Pike's job and it's Rawlings' job, etc. But if they're not very, very careful, they're going to get left behind. Look, Sky going through a bit of a transition, not entirely enamoured by their coverage sometimes either but they are at least trying to freshen things up. And once that starts to click for them, they are going to leave ITV in the dust right now. That's just, Mace was absolutely superb. There's so many great talents out there at the minute. And the sooner that darts evolves in terms of its production and, and show, the better, because that next gen are ready to go now. Completely. Um, and look, we don't want to be negative, but we've also, we never hide from saying it either. And it was pointed out so much on social, it was it's hard not to mention it. Um, just a quick one. Martin says about my audio. We know it's bad today, mate. My microphone has just done a bunk, literally, as we were going on air. So I've got to use the webcam mic. So it's all we've got. Um, but yeah, look, that's the negative, by the way. The, the the plus is we're not going to we've got a little graphic when we get to the quarterfinals and onwards but let's just pick out your highlight and low light of the opening round boys and chat room as well uh, yeah Joe flip flops are on as always again chat room come and get involved and have your say Highlight, highlight, highlight. Highlight for me was I enjoyed the day in between Tam and Josh. Thought that was a good day. Um, 
the performance of Andrew Dildin to open it up was the level of what we've seen, but inconsistence by Ricky Evans. I guess the, the low light was the champion being knocked out in the first round in Michael Smith with opportunities to go and defeat Richard Oster in revenge very quickly after the Grand Slam group. I think Bully Boy learned a lot from this. The fact that he did an exhibition on the Thursday night and we obviously know about it because it was up there was clips of it on on social media. Maybe not the brightest of ideas. Yeah, he wasn't the only one on Friday who was a disappointment, but I can't run for him all because I'd leave that with no one. Um, I tell you what. Again, it it was a highlight in a way, but it'll be disappointed. John O'Shea lost six 0 to Johnny Clayton, but up until the last couple of legs, he was averaging well over a ton. So that was a huge plus point for John O'Shea. Not the result, but the the performance in a in a major was very good. Yeah, and if you if you can sort of deflect away from the result and just look at the the performance, I'm him and maybe a couple of others will be happy with how they performed on TV with the world just round the corner. And for a lot of these, yes, there's a lot of players down into this weekend, and it wasn't the fault of going to to win it. It was just the preparation for the worlds as much as a TV event, and hopefully John will take the positives from that. And with Johnny. Anything else stand out? Have we missed any any standouts from the opening one? Um, I don't think so. Team Barry A.D. Lewis was a decent scrap. Especially from 3-0 down, 164 to get back in it. From A.D., Uh, don't worry, everyone. We haven't missed Dirk Van Dyve and Boda against Ryan Searle. That wasn't the opening round. We will talk about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess Noppy's performance against Whitlock solid. That ain't really, isn't it? Mansour Sulovic imploding. Uh, yeah. What is what <laughs> is that all about? I've never seen anything like. <laughs> In my life, and this is a this is a player who felt we forgot to speak about as his name's already in the hat, isn't it? For the Premier League, I told you last week. <laughs> That's what he told us last week. <laughs> we forgot about him. Did you have him down in your least? I think that's the DRA on the phone. <laughs> Getting an invite to come in, but it'll be to a DRA hearing. <laughs> it'll be a DRA Zoom meeting. Hi, Mensa. How do yeah. you plead? Doesn't matter how you plead. Here's your fine. 
Also, as well, I've noticed a turn in mentality as well. I don't know if something's been said, but there are a lot more clips being made of dark players mouthing things on stage now as well. They've got away yeah, with it for like a few that. years, yeah. but there, no, there, there's been like a few more this weekend. It's a professional, high-pressure sporting environment. I don't, as long as it's not audible, I don't give a crap what they're mouthing or what they're saying. There's a reason they're not mic'd up when they're playing and whatever. So then clip them up for what they're mouthing is ridiculous. No, leave them alone. At this point, though, do you have to tell the TV directors that don't cut to a face shot just after they've missed three darts at a double? Well, you want their reaction, though, especially when Sky have now split to split screen. But... I'm just not sure any of the players are going to thank him for it. And like I said, it's professional sport. Look, you might get it in any sport. You might slightly overhear it. Just leave it. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I genuinely think that's nonsense. If they shout at a camera or shout at a fan or whatever, then fine. But if they're if they're saying it to themselves. Nah, let him get on with it. I suppose the other bit from the first round, again, I've just seen it there, was the encroachment zone argument. Um, and I can't help but think that maybe Roby's going to get two fines. One, for being warned about being in the encroachment zone. And two, effectively giving up. Because after leg four, the, it just gone after he'd been been told off and we've got a clip from Joe Cullen which we'll play in a second now my issue is not the warning it was the timing of the warning from Hugh Ware was there a need to do it at that moment for me it should have been done at the end of the leg yeah, I think we've, we've spoke about a similar incident before I don't think it was with Michael and Ross Bray in the Premier League. Yeah, and there was an issue then, and that was something that was said. I don't think it was. Uh, I think it was something to do with the crowd, but it was said when it, there was a checkout remaining, so it was mid leg, and I yeah. think we all agreed sort of then that there was there's unless unless the players stopped. So if it's crowd involvement or it's judgment on that sort of. Then for me, if the players stopped and they've both stepped back, then maybe there is then an opportunity to, to say it during the lead. But if the players are during that lead, for me, it should be said once the lead's finished, because you can stop both the players and they can sort of reset. So yeah, I think the timing wasn't right. Secondly, this is very much a, a playground or a school argument when you get told off for talking in class and whatever going. Oh, but he was doing it too. Being in the encroachment zone happens in virtually every single match. <laughs> right? Uh, look, I have absolutely no objection with it being called. The same I have no objection with every single shirt pull being a penalty in the Premier League or whatever. But you have to call it consistently. There are two officials for every game. There is one to the side of the stage who can clearly see where the players are standing. Right? If you truly want to rule out players being in the encroachment zone, then that second official has to be there. There needs to be some sort of communication to the stage official. And 
in between legs, they have to be warned. But the problem is, I'm, I'm not even sure the players care. Joe okay. Cullen said he hadn't even Joe noticed. Cullen. I hadn't even noticed. No. Look, for me, it's one of those ones. I don't, ignorance isn't bliss, but for me, it's not an issue unless it affects the player throwing. Yeah. If they're in the encroachment zone and it affects the person who is at the hockey, it's different. But if they're just stood in there and the other player doesn't even know, I don't really see what the problem is. But we also quite often say that pace and styles make matches as well. They make for better entertainment. You're going to keep forcing players to stand further and further and further back. All you're going to do is slow down games. Rhythm's going to go. Players are going to get thrown out of what they, they can actually do and get on with it. Some of the best games in history, where you look at the pace, the rhythm that they play at, like the Gary versus Michael in Dubai, right? There is absolutely no way neither of those players are in the encouragement zone. Oh, they're two of the worst. One forwards. of the best matches of all time. One of the best matches of all time. Agreed. Um, and they're the Just worst. Constantly forwards. warning them of stepping forward half the other. I appreciate that encouragement zone exists for a reason. 100%. But th- there's got to be some compromise in the middle. Yeah. I agree. Right, moving on. Round two. Scott Williams is going to be a lot of fun on tour next year, isn't he? <laughs> it, it, the question is, how much money will he earn? So you'll need to earn an awful lot. <laughs> See, I feel like we saw a better side of Scott this weekend when he just focused on being a dark player. I think the performances were much better when he wasn't trying to do something that made him stand out as some sort of character. I agree to a point, but it goes back to the conversation we had earlier. Just being a dart player will not get you into places you want to be. No, acting like an idiot and then losing matches because you're too concerned with that will not get you anywhere either. You need to establish yourself as a player and then leak it in a little bit more and more and more. You cannot just go in, join in the PDC ranks in the manner that he is, all bravado, acting like a twat sometimes. Because he, he like, if he's watching, he'll be the first to say there are times when he acts a bit like a twat, from what we've seen. Yeah, but you could say the and same. Just go in, in the oh, just go in, oh, I might get a few more of them from the DRA, shrugging it off as if to say, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to do anything already. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying that in the same level as DRA, but go back to Peter Wright, 2012-13. With the greatest of respects, he dressed like an absolute idiot with coloured dreadlocks in his hair, and wasn't a very good player then, and did something out of the ordinary to get noticed. And well, he did that all the walk on, and then the minute it was game on, there was no antics, no nothing. It was Peter Wright's a dark player again. You say the antics. Go back to that early Premier League when he's crouching down to throw a double. You could argue that's not in the spirit of darts before he won anything. All I'm saying is it's happened before. 
And it's, it's I, I, think, I, I think it needs to be established first. There's, I think there's a balance to it as well, don't Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's dressing yeah. brightly and there's, there's yellow shoes and all that sort of stuff, but there's certain things during your game. I'm just not. I see someone like I see someone like Josh Roth, and I think a lot of people who are a lot older could learn from what Josh does on a stage, and he's only twenty twenty one. It's an interesting one. That's that's for sure. Like I'm I'm all for more of Stone Cold Scott Williams, as God pointed out when he saw his Twitter. Again, I suppose the the lows. Jose de Souza, again, only averaging eighty four. The 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 question marks are very much there outside the top sixteen. Now, next year could be a very difficult year for Jose if it carries on in this vein. Yeah, it's same old, no change. Just inconsistent. Wandered performance followed by a, a weak one. Same old um, story every time. Are we getting concerned for Chizzy? Not in manner, not in terms of performances, because again, it's another magical average. But surely this starts to dwell on your confidence and mindset. When you keep losing and you're playing well. I get if you've got the mental resolve of MVG going price where, to coin a Michael Van Gerwen phrase, I'm big Billy Bollocks. But I'm not sure Chizzy is that mentally strong. But surely it's going to have an impact. You start to think, this, this can't keep happening. And before you, it's like a, a positive turns into a negative. One, I think Chizzy's been around an awful long time and he's had these patches where he's played very well before and, and not really got any reward for it. And two, with the greatest of respect to Chizzy, I'm not sure there's enough going on up there for him to think like that. <laughs> Saying the greatest of respect before that makes no difference. Just to tell you now, <laughs> you, you, zero yeah, absolutely no, no difference whatsoever. That was like Wayne a few years ago when he was like having a rant. He said, "Yeah, players like Ian White," and he went, "No, no, actually, Ian White." <laughs> well, I love Chizzy, but come on, he's not the brightest. No, no, yeah, no, I agree. But look, he's, he's playing fabulously, but he just can't get a break. Yeah. And look, we, we've seen that in the past. We saw that from Dobie a couple of years back. We've seen Hetter on the floor do that. We can list players that have played fabulously for periods where they, where they don't get any reward for it. But looking at players like Michael Smith have to be your inspiration at that point. And the yeah. fact that Ross Smith has gone on to win a major and, and Danny Knopper has done the same. And the fact that anybody on their day can turn up and do that. Um. Your boy, James Wade, concerns heading towards the world. Look, his record at Ali Pali isn't particularly good anyway. And here he's averaged 89 to beat, I don't even know what it was in Mental Suda, which performance, and then gets battered by Danny Knopper, averaging barely 90. 
I think he sort of fell off after he saw Mensor start going for double 12. I genuinely think that threw Wadey a bit because before that, it was a very, very good performance. At 4-0 or 5-0, Wadey's averaging 96, 97, I think it was. Looks solid. And then he lets Mensor in a leg run. And also, I'm not really sure they can find him for this, by the way, because the first leg Mensor won of the match, he started by going for double 12. So if they find him for not playing to the best of his ability for starting on double 12 and a leg he won, how do they justify that if he wins a leg? And B, what do they do for the other four legs? Find him for not starting on double 12? <laughs> uh, I think it classes as bringing the game into disrepute because there what? are gambling markets on 180s and throwing at the start of the leg, throwing for double 12 is not maximising your scoring potential. They, they, were, they, were, they were talking about this in the press room. What? And believe me, it has been remembered. But, Mensor's but, not there um, to satisfy the gambling markets. He's there to win matches of darts, however he sees fit to do so. Yeah, yeah but winning on your... that point, well, Mad as Rasma does for treble 19 a lot of the time, the start of his leg. That's a bit of a difference between treble 19 and double 12. Not on 180. Not on 180 times, Durant. But even the 180 markets aside, you don't start on a double. It's not a double-in tournament. Look, it's already been referred, so it's irrelevant. He's, he's been referred to the BRA for it. Yeah, but the point is he won that leg, so I genuinely think he's got an argument to make here, by the way. Um, but back to Wade. I bet he don't win. Started pretty brightly. It's a stupid argument. Started pretty brightly. <laughs> Fell off when Mensor did start going for double 12. Average not great. I'll be honest, I didn't see any other winner between him and Danny Knopper. The, the form just isn't there for Wade at the minute. Knopper probably could have ran out 6-0, even more comfortable than he did. Um was just solid, but look, Ali Pali isn't the best for Wadey. If he gets beat early, perhaps a bit of a break. Don't think he'll get either of the World Series in. Keep getting this one wrong. Abu Dhabi. Or Copenhagen, back for the Masters, and oh, then we'll see after that. Bahrain, Bahrain, Bahrain Copenhagen. <laughs> I'll get there soon. Pluck out a random F1 city host. Um, yeah, a couple of months off to reset. I don't think would be the worst thing for Wadey. Spend some time with the family, which he's clearly enjoying. Get back on the practice board and stop talking about retiring, please. Thanks. Right. Before we move on, did Cameron Menzies pass up the one opportunity to beat Michael Van Gerwen in that leg where he fell apart? The composure went, everything went. At that point, he's got MVG in a world of trouble. Huge amount of trouble. This is the... Uh, I can't remember who I spoke to after this, but somewhere we were then talking about who wins it. And normally it's one of them where someone debts away with one, it's then they don't follow up. And this was massively debting away with one. Um, I know he mentioned it on his socials the following day in a bit of jest of spending the whole day on Sunday practicing double two. And it was a missed opportunity. It was such a good performance until. Led nine, was it led nine? I think it was, and then it just fell apart. Um, and yeah, at five four, 
to Cameron if that would have happened. There's still a lot of people who would have fancied MVG and MVG would have potentially still been favourite knowing he's not throw and then the opportunity to break Cam in the last one. But what an opportunity it was there to to get the better of him and unfortunately it wasn't to be and it was the it was one that Michael got away with. And got away with it is the is the right one. Um so moving on to the final day of action. Have you just have you just missed out the whole of Saturday night, including Dirk beating Ryan Soul ten nine, my friend? Yeah. Uh, possibly, yeah, because I've got I'm like the other <laughs> wiki, This is like set up set up wrong. Alright, we'll do the um to be fair, that that was the one highlight of the Saturday night, the actual ring that and again, I don't know if people are friends with Ryan Soul on Facebook. He was ridiculously harsh on himself, calling himself a bottle job. It's like that is not bottling a game of darts. That was just sheer brilliance from Dirk Van Dyvenpoder. Yeah, I think some of the stats I saw, he averaged 112 over 19 legs. And on his own throw, I think he averaged something like 120. The match had a period of five legs where the worst leg was a 12 dart. That's, that's not bottling anything. That's exactly the same region as Michael Smith losing the World Championship final to Peter Wright. At that point, Peter Wright did an absolute madness, winning 10 of the last 11 legs, averaging 115. I don't care how far ahead you are in any sort of match. If your opponent is playing to that level, you haven't bottled anything. No. It was just a remarkable performance from Dirk Van Dyvenboder. And it's those kind of performances that we go back to, which is why he's in the Premier League mix. Yeah, that's... As you said mix, one, one, you nearly started people up. One thing that I'd probably throw up about it, though, is yes, it's the highest average at the Players' Championship. Incredible performance from both. But I'm not sure both would have hit those levels if that was on the main stage. From what we've seen of Dirt and Ryan on the main stage on other TV tournaments, those levels are incredible. I'm not convinced we would. Didn't Ryan make the final there last year? With a performance like that? Not to my knowledge. Look at him going through the stats. Was that 101? Yeah. Not quite 103.33 then, no? No, it's steady enough though. <laughs> Cruel man to please. <laughs> man to please. <laughs> Just before we One, go on to... Start to double, that's it. Just before we go on to... The, the one stage, some of the decision-making about games on the main stage was horrific this weekend. Well, we saw the same players repeated, didn't we? Basically, from one session to another. Once a lot of the once Price and that had fallen as well, was basically who is yeah. Van Gerwen playing? 
Lewis Humphreys playing. Lewis Rob Cross playing. The fact they booted Johnny Clayton to stage two twice this weekend. Twice. And to be fair, at my end, stage two is the better stage. Reds is better than the I main like stage. It. However, though, you, you don't get Stephen the Seagull in Reds. No, but you do get Charlie Corsa being refereeing and Murph and Nico commentated. Yeah. Which if you However, want to watch a game back, I'll take that. Plague almost being delayed on Sunday afternoon because of Stephen the Seagull was hilarious. I love the fact that the name managed to spread such to the point that the crowd were chanting Stephen, Stephen, Stephen when the seagull started moving. Because <laughs> that was definitely just a TV broadcast thing. There's no John McDonald's not on stage going, sorry guys, we've got to get rid of Stephen and pointing at the seagull. How did that spread? I don't know, but it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were some fellas dressed up as seagulls at one point. I was quite impressed with that. To, to be fair, probably should say this, but at one point they were trying to find a pest exterminator to get rid of it on silent and couldn't find one. <laughs> oh. And then go to the arcade ITV, and, the and then ITV stopped broadcasting the pigeon for the for the um, fears of its safety and its wellness because it was just flying around. Unless it hit a wall or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly. Right, moving on. Quarterfinals. <laughs> oh, mine had this effect on people. Um, first up, the first three quarterfinals, it's safe to say, were all absolute demolition jobs, and I don't think anyone would have picked those scorelines. Not really. No, I, I thought I thought Callum had played a lot better this weekend. If he's yeah. watching, fair play. Yeah. I, I was look, a little bit critical about his form heading into the World Youth Championship, but since that, the run to the semi-final, he's looked a little bit better in the last couple of players' championship finals and uh, the last couple of players' championships, and then a decent run here as well. Definitely starting to look a lot more like the player that he was eighteen months ago. To so even this time last year, to be fair. But Johnny Clayton was superb first up. Um, against him, just nothing special from Johnny. There was a couple of moments where he's averaging over a ton, but it was just clinical from Johnny again. It was clean on the doubles, mid-90s averages. He mopped up an awful lot. Um, Dirk being battered by Rob Cross, I think, is the biggest surprise of the day, though. Yeah, not a surprise that Rob won. The fact it was so clear-cut. Yeah. And I guess yeah. we've also got the contrast here of how brilliant Dirk was the night before. And look, it's incredibly difficult to replicate that after you've just put in the best performance the tournament has ever seen and record averages and discussions and you know, start being mentioned for the Premier League and, and whatever else going on at that point. But when it wasn't quite going his way, he's not the most likely to... G himself back up again is, which yeah. won't help his case for the Premier League. Not um, that he gives up or anything like that, but he is a little bit of a sulker. 
Luke Humphreys, brilliant in beating Joe Cullen. 102 for Coolhand. And then the interesting one, after he called him boring and nothing about him, Michael Van Gogh does beat Danny, Danny Noppert. Um, it was it, it was close. And I don't know if you saw it, but they played, obviously did a pre-match with Danny and he obviously hadn't heard Michael's comments from the day before. And the look on his face when Dan told him what he said was a picture. It was like telling the kid that Santa Claus wasn't real. Well, yeah, and these the are... World Cup partner. And he's basically just exactly. fired a shot at him. <laughs> That's a long way away, though. Yeah, but I don't... Well, unless Dirk has a brilliant year, I'm not really sure it changes much. Um, right, semi-finals. The first one was just a tough watch because Johnny missed a bucket load of doubles. Rob was, I thought, was quite stuttery in the in the semi-final. That his finish combination finishing was outstanding, but it was all just Rob Cross of 2018 hit a treble, step back, hit a big number, step back. It was all kind of a tough watch at times. Yeah, that's that's also a potential that he's trying to look back at the, the levels he achieved that year and trying to get back to that sort of performance coming into the world. A lot of this weekend, he was very impressive, and to beat Johnny Clay in the semi final is still very impressive. But I agree with you; it wasn't it wasn't a great easy on the eye watch as we was talking about Sunday's Tambi and at a quicker pace, but. No real surprise. I think he's like says he's just tuning in, ready for the world now. Yeah, and then MVG did a, did a number on Luke Humphries, and again, the Green Machine playing a few mind games with his with his post match interview and whatever. And when it when it was suggested that a potential rematch with Luke Humphries and that and the yeah, let's let's see if he can hold his bottle this time and and things like that was was very bullish. Michael Van Gerwen that knows what he's doing right now, Gov, in terms of playing the games. Yeah, and look, when you've been there and done that the way that Michael has, you earn the right to be able to talk like that. And I'm not saying I particularly agree with it, but Phil Taylor was the same. When you'd beaten everybody for so long and so consistently and you'd been in that position and then somebody gets a chance to have a bit of a poppy or whatever, you'll get a chance to put it right again. And the fear factor's back on Van Gogh and this is his fifth TV title this year. He's playing pretty well and it just means that in those key moments again, those comments will come back. Yeah. And then the final... What a final, boys. Spoiler alert, I'm going to put this up. MVG wins it, but this one, if you look at the score... Spoiler alert. I just told everybody he won his fifth TV title, and the fact he's won it has been on the screen for 15 minutes. Um, If you look at the scoreline, it says 11-6, that you'd say this was fairly comfortable. However, far from it. MVG hits a nine-data... In the first session, leads 4-1, averages 111 
I think, in the second session is in control. Then falls off a cliff for a session. And to this day, I've still got no idea where he's found that 170 from. Because you talk about doing the right things at the right moments. That was it and some. Because if Cross takes that leg, he's arguably favourite to go and win the match. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not it wasn't just... Arguably. It wasn't just... <laughs> that, that first art was the, was the one. It wasn't the... The second or the ball, it was that first art was perfect for MVG. And going up to the board, how we'd played a few legs before, I don't think it was to be expected. I'm totally with you now. Once all the 170 sort of coming, when that first art is, that was a uh, change of mind straight away. It was a great out. Um, and with a nine earlier on in the day, and the manner of the performance. If you just watch the first sort of 10 leads and then see that he finishes on 99, you would think he's done an unlost today because he was so good in M10 to be 7-3 and drop as significant as he did on the average. Um, just shows that he did the right things at the end and that lead was just um, significant enough. Otherwise, Rob Frost would have made a very, very different outcome if that 170 didn't drop. Hard to believe as well. His first nine data, forget on TV, his first nine data of any kind since March 2020. Um, Should have been more. I'm not sure that's so hard to believe because until the start of this season, for the 18 months previous, he was crap. Yeah, but he still... He went a calendar year without a title of any kind. Seeing him now, that conversation seems stupid. But no, that, that's not too hard to believe, I don't think. When you consider the dip in form that he did suffer, this time last year, there was genuine concern that we might never see this level from Michael Van going again, and he might genuinely never compete for a TV title. So the fact that he hadn't hit a nine data in two years, while a year of that he spent playing Dross, is not too hard to believe at all, I don't think, mate. I well, think he's one of the but I, I think on the pro tour is because even when he wasn't playing well, he was still doing bits on the pro tour and things like that. There were still big numbers on the pro tour in spells. In round one, won't get much further than that. Look, look, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm just not sure that's that's that big a shock, to be fair. If you hadn't had one in five um, years, maybe. Uh, how we doing, Mace? All right. Right, we're going to play some clips before we move on. Um, right, let's go. We'll do MVG. We've got two winners' clips from him first of all. Right, we'll do this one first. I've been speaking to my daughter and my wife, the two, of course, all weekend. And uh, the, my, my daughter, for the first time, she, she fell asleep two legs before I won the tournament. She said to me, Daddy, if you win the trophy, is it? I know you got a lot of trophies in the trophy room, but is it going to be mine? 
are you going to give it to me? I said, of course, I will give it to you. So that's trying. Of course, when you go in the final, at least you got something. But of course, you want to give him something nice as well. And of course, you want to you, you want to win the tournament anyway. And th that's really important. Of course, it's uh, it's hard sometimes, but that's how it is. That's that's what that is. Uh, but that also makes it a nice sport. And uh, but yeah, I'm glad I won. Never hardly seen that emotional ever winning. The, the only time I've seen him that emotional was arguably when he won this two years ago when he went back to old faithfuls and, and won it just before the worlds getting soft in his old age um but it is cute <laughs> however however he soon put this one right people know i'm the favorite even though i wouldn't be the favorite with bookies i will always be favorite as long as i on the tour people will always want to beat me, they always want to get me out of the world, they always get me out of any tournament, but as long as I'm playing, I, I, I want to win that tournament, and uh, I know there's still a long way to go, we didn't, we, we're not even started, we, no one knows the draw yet, but I, I'm going into the con uh, tournament with a lot of confidence, and that's really important as well. Four TV titles, would you hand them all back to win at Alexandra Palace? No. No? no I wouldn't. No, no. Uh, no, not this year, because I think this year means a lot to me, what I've did so far. I know uh, I, I, there's still a lot to go for, but uh, why not and win the four tournaments and the Alexander Palace? That would be even nicer. That smirk back, isn't it? That, that menacing twinkle in his eye. The, yeah, the extra, the extra level of arrogance is back. Because he's told eight players mid tournament who are coming up next. We've seen it for the past few months. It's that it's that level of again the feeling of him being number one. So rantings aside, talk world champion aside, he's feeling right now he's there's no one better in the world than Michael Van Derwin and he's making sure that everyone knows that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I even though May Soap you are good, but th th this one was interesting. First time that we've spoken to Gary since he didn't want to do the Grand Slam qualifier. And it was funny because he was on stage two as well. And we have to tell Dave Allen, who does press, who we'd like over from stage two. And before I even said, he goes, I'm guessing you want a certain Scotsman if he wins. Yes, Dave, we do. <laughs> I've got a strange way of thinking, right? And it's the way I've always done it. I wasn't good enough, but I'm not good enough. I've always played that Grand Slam with doing something, either winning a major or running up in a major. I've done night, so I don't deserve to play my favourite tournament. And that's how I see things. So if I'm wrong to other people, sorry about that, but in my head, that's the way I look at things, you know. But I, no, didn't deserve it. So it's my own fault. End of an era as well. You and James Wade both not qualifying for it. The only ever presence left. Was it strange watching it at home or looking at the results and not being there? Because as you say, it's your favourite tournament. Never watched one that. I actually did when I was in the shop, so I think I was in Curry's and Alan Suter was playing, but no, I just not sickened myself when I was doing it. But that's that's in my head. I wasn't good enough and I've not been good enough over the last two years to actually play in it. So nah, I wasn't doing the qualifiers because I, I didn't deserve it. You touch on obviously listen to what you said there about practicing and, and having to and not being good enough because you haven't qualified for stuff like that. Is that little fire burning slightly again to get the old Gary Anderson back? I hope it'll work, you know, because you know how, how much I love the Grand Slam and to miss it. 
through my own stupidity and laz probably laziness over the last few years, it's, it's my fault. So I thought, doing it that way, that'll teach you. And I've heard rumours it's back in the old uh, Civic Hall, is it? Possibly. I'll be trying me doodads off to get back there because I, I love the Civic Hall. That was the first time I played it all those years ago, you know, back in the days. And uh, yeah, I just hope they've not changed it too much. If I do get back, up, it's kind of the same setup. But no, you know, that's that was a lesson learned. You know, that's my favourite tournament and I deserve to miss it. An interesting take. I think the first line summed up everything we need to know about Gary. I've got a strange yeah. way of thinking. Yeah, that's pretty much apparent, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was... It, it, it was funny. Is the um, is the DRA letter landed yet? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> when, when when you look back at the, the whole incident, we we know it was tongue in cheek, but like you say, a learning curve for you that the cameras are always running. Yeah, they, I apologise. I'm very sorry about what happened. Um, yeah, but it, it was a learning. It, it was just like um, for a split second, you just completely forget where you are you see loads of people you don't even see the cameras and it was just it, it was it was weird and i completely didn't even realize i did it i'll be honest with you until i got the social until until i looked at my phone and there was a ping 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 what has he done oh, crikey but yeah um luke was fine about it uh i will uh, i'll have a dra letter and i'll have it you know we'll take it on the chin it's a learning it's something i'll learn for it probably won't be the last one because i'm a naughty boy so um yeah it's just one of them things you just get on with it <laughs> and he almost swore in that interview as well. <laughs> I was going to say, there was definitely a moment where he nearly went, oh, mm. F it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, right, here we go. We've got um, we've got two from Joe, I think. I'm not sure which one this is, but we've got two did, from Joe. Yeah, they, they were saying that, um, that Rabo was in the exclu uh, uh, inclusion zone when I was throwing, which doesn't affect me at all he could he could stand right behind me you know I'm, i don't move a great deal when i throw anyway um and i just spoke to rory afterwards and he said it, it ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It, it messed with his head a little bit, which I could see, I could feel as we was playing, and it was just, it was just one of those. That it was, it, it was an odd one. I, I think, I think the, the timing of it was the problem, because it put me off straight away. The next three darts, I think maybe wait till the end of a leg and then address it. Um, but you know, Hugh's a fantastic ref, and I think Owen was the the marker that was 
that was in his ear, and they both, they both make rare, rare mistakes, and I don't think they made a mistake today. I just think that maybe it could have been addressed at the end of the leg rather than in the middle of it. How much did it put Roby off, do you think? And like you said, you sensed it there, because it, just, it seemed like after that he he'd completely gone. Yeah, he gave up. He, gave up. he just said to me at the, end of the day, uh, at the end of the game there, he just said I was feeling good, and he said it just put me off my rhythm. Um, like I said, if he's in the inclusion zone, it's, it's there for a reason, but it didn't affect me at all, so... Didn't really need addressing, but then that, that's that's the referee's job. So it's it's sort of a sort of a catch twenty two situation. Um, but I, I I just I, I thought that the way Hugh addressed it was was fine. I just think the timing of it wasn't great. I think maybe wait till the end of a leg. The interesting bit was it put him off. Yeah, when the actual incident itself didn't, as in. Ruby in the encroachment zone didn't put him off, but drawing attention to it did. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the second Joe clip is, is an interesting one. No, I, I probably don't want to say out, Phil, because there'll be some headline on Twitter <laughs> that's clickbait for you. So, um, no, I, I don't think I get the credit I deserve. I think the, the titles that I've won, you know, I've won a lot more than people who are probably higher regarded than I am, but. That, that, that's for them to discuss. You know, I'm I'm happy where I am, and it's like like I just said to Dan there. It's even better to shut them up. Right. Well, first of all, Mr. Cullen, we are a sensible news outlet. We do not clickbait shit. The game is the game, sir. If you say it, we're going to post it. Secondly, I'm not really sure who he's going on about here. I, I was trying to work it out who. Who he thinks is one less than Joe Cullen that we regard as higher than Joe Cullen right now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to work out who he thinks is held in higher regard to him in terms of what he's won and everything. I, I can't think of any. Is it a little, a little word towards the PDC in regards to their Premier League picks? Possibly. James might have it there in the chat room. I'm not going to name names, but he might have it there. Maybe, but he's won four Euro tours this year and is up to world number five without winning anything else. But Joe has also won a TV title this year and was in a dart within a dart of winning the second stroke third biggest tournament there is. Yeah, but that first title got him into the second one and he didn't win the second one. All right, then. As a player, would you rather win three Euro tours or one TV tournament and one TV final? Ranking money. I'd take the Euro tours. Didn't, I didn't ask you that. As a player, if you, which one would you rather have? <laughs> Not ranking money. As a player. No, because the conversation is, he won an unranked tournament and got beat in the final of an unranked tournament. So in terms of ranking and where he's currently regarded as and where he's noted as, and where he drops into different brackets and whatever else, it's perfectly legitimate for Luke to be in that conversation at number five, if it is Luke that is being referenced. I don't think it is. He's one of a couple. You asked Johnny Clayton. You asked Johnny Clayton about ranking or unranked. His work, his exact words were, "I couldn't give up if they're ranked or unranked. 
They're on my CV. They're in his bank balance as well, oh, but it yeah. doesn't help him for the following year, do it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's click, mate. Moving on. Hey, our title was the player. I've always said it. Um, right, the last the game, one. First of all, congratulations to Josh Rock, the new PDC World Youth Champion. Stunning performance in the final to beat Nathan Gervin. Um, look, Nathan played his part in a very good final. Uh, well, especially early on, there was there was a couple of couple of half chances that, that he didn't take. Um, that if they go in, it could be a completely different game. But one thing's for certain, this boy does not lack confidence. I'm very confident. I would hand it four in a final. I know it was only a year final, but what was that? It was my world champion at the end of the year. Can you believe you can do the double? Could do the double. Hopefully be the first one. <laughs> you know, but you take one game at a time, you know, but if I keep playing like that, ah, I can make a few scares. <laughs> it was the line to average 104 in a final it may have only been a youth final but what happens when I'm world champion at the end of the year not shy is he that's <laughs> some confidence from the young man yeah <laughs> I guess you can, you can have that you can have them confidence when you've just averaged 104 and his first nine around the 119 120 mark in a in his first world world final, it it was an incredible performance, and no surprise that it was an incredible performance. It's probably the best compliment for him that it was to be expected. If he probably probably averaged anything less than a ton, as much as he'd have still probably gone on and won it, it wouldn't have been the level we'd have expected from Josh Roth how he's performed at the minute. The the confidence is just something else and. We've spoke about Michael being arrogant or having that more arrogance because he's now picked up titles. Well, Josh has got the World Youth title to hand and we've seen what we've seen, how that's helped Blue Thumphries recently. So it'll be a help for Josh Roth. It's just how quickly it'll be a help and will it push him on in the World Championships, but you're not going to want to face him, are you, at the minute? No. Before we leave Minehead... The world rankings are interesting to the point now where if the man in shot does win the world championship, he will return to world number one. He's closed the gap considerably in the last three months. I think the most concerning thing right now is that Gerwin Price falls to world number four. Is that just taking off 500 grand at the moment? So obviously it depends where he gets to. Tour card race, yeah. Yeah. Before any so of them the, the win a game card... at the World Championships, he is yeah. £67,000 behind Michael Smith in third. A lot more behind Michael Van Gerwen and even more behind Peter Wright. 
has right wiki's been updated just a quick one do i see now Oh, that's ranking, so. No, no, I was looking, I was looking at the who is who's in his bracket at the Worlds quickly. We'll come on to that in a second. Um, Which one? Right? Yeah. No, price to see where I think he's going to get. They potentially has a rematch with Barney in round three. So D'Souza, Whitlock in four. Not at five. If if I'm being honest, that I think his first real test will be potentially Noppy in the quarterfinal. Yeah, but even at that point, he'd stay in fourth position. Even if everybody else loses yeah, yeah. first round, if he loses that quarterfinal oh, yeah, no, to Noppy. He still stays in fourth. That's mad. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm not arguing. I'm just seeing roughly where where we think who, or what was the possibility of him falling early at the Worlds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, MVG. There's a big gap between Smith and Humphreys as well. The the, the top four are literally in a world of their own, unless Luke Humphreys, Rob Cross can get to that final or, or win it. It's because of the weight in other yeah. worlds though, isn't it? So significant. Yeah. yeah. Um Johnny um Johnny Johnny Clayton moves up three places to seventh. Big mover in the top ten this weekend. James Wade moves two falls down two places. Aspinall falls two to ten. Uh Joe Cullen slips to thirteen Ryan Searle is back into the top 16. Jose de Salza falls out. Damon Hetter falls to 20. Merv King, a big faller to 27. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Joyce moves up three places. Uh, Luke Woodhouse falls five. Uh, they're probably... <clears throat> Scott Williams, a big mover. He's up eight. Matt Campbell up five of the big, big movers in that race. Right. We are not going to go deep, deep in on the Worlds because we will do our proper preview show in a couple of weeks. But the draw was tonight, boys. <clears throat> First of all, disappointed in Sky. In fact, it was very, very rushed to fit it into a 15-minute gap because of the football. I think it could have been built. I'd like to hear Wayne and Webby talk about it a little bit more. It's the UK in the middle of a World Cup. Football is king. Oh, I, I, I know that, but I'm just saying that as a, as a darts fan, I think it, it deserved a bit more. I'm not I, doubting I that, but in the middle of yeah. the second biggest yeah. sporting tournament in the world behind the Olympics, you ain't ever going to get anything else out of it. No. Oh, yeah, no, look, I, I, I get how it how it works. It's just frustrating. Yeah. Not unless um, it was at the latter stages of the 
moment where there's more time between games or you can sneak it on lunchtime, whatever. This slot with a four-game slate at the World Cup was never going to be anything else. Yeah, it was just too rushed. If anything, I'd have preferred for it not to have been done tonight and go at midday tomorrow or whatever when there's no football on and they could have designated time to it. There is football. But yeah, get what you're saying. Yeah, but not at that time. Does that make sense? Putting it at half six where they've got to squeeze it in before a seven o'clock kickoff where you yeah. find a slot where you can designate time to, to do it. I'm not sure any mace, but as far as I know, they've got a reporter in pretty much for every session watching each game so that they can just talk about the big moments as it happens. So the problem is if they've done it at half past seven this evening and Ronaldo had just scored a hat-trick in a World Cup, people are more concerned about throwing to the reporter for telling us about Ronaldo's third goal than they are about completing the draw. And then yeah. if they do throw away from it, you get conversations or discussions that something in there is not quite legit. Yeah. Um, before we pick our ties, the, the standout ties, huge, huge shout out to Richie Burnett. Rolling back the years, coming through the qualifier, averaging 110 in his what was semi-final game was just sensational. Uh, no surprise, really, that Ryan Joyce came through. He's one of the form horses. Only just missed out. Was it two hundred and fifty quid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and look, Jeff Smith has given himself a huge opportunity to potentially keep his card as well with the with, with the three qualifiers. Yeah, and all, all a bit one-sided. Would have expected yeah. a, a closer, at least one of those to be a bit closer. Um, so, look, first of all, what's your tie of the first round, boys? Well, like I said, we're not going to go to every game. I just want your standout tie of the first round. Chat room as well, get involved. The, the, the one real one that leaps off the page. I'm up to. There's a couple that I like. The, the, the two that really, really caught my attention when I looked back at the full draw and one was William O'Connor, Bald Reeves, what Bo's done in the women's series recently coming up against a seasoned professional is probably the, one of the best ways to destroy William O'Connor. Um I think that's a very, very good test for both players. The other one for me that stood out was Matt Campbell and Danny Badish. I think that can be a threat. <laughs> I think that can be an absolute threat. 
first round tie. Yes, they probably wanted to avoid each other. They've probably met numerous times. However, I think that has got the potential to be a, a very, very good first round tie. What are you going for, Gob? I like them. Look, I think Josh Rock Jose's this year is, is definitely one that everyone's taking a look at, especially with the hype around Josh at the minute. I do have two others, though. I think a really underrated tie, I think, especially if this is very much dependent on the second player. But in terms of a game to watch, not just for the darts, Ruby John Rodriguez against Lawrence Alargan. I think there's a little bit of hype that's, that's faded off a Lagen, but actually those two are both incredible characters on the hockey. Um, and I'll tell you what should be an absolute cracker of a game, played at a decent pace, um, is Mike Decker against Jeff Smith. Yeah. I think that's a massively underrated game. Uh, one for me that has gone massively under the radar... And I just really, really like the look of it. Is Jim Williams against Sebastian Bilowetsky? I really like the look of that game. Yeah, I think with, with that one, both both won't mind the draw, and I equally think both won't mind the seed, knowing his record at Ali Pali. So they will. And these all, the all three well. of them. Yeah, all Minor three of them will really, Yeah, all three of them yeah. will really believe that they've got a chance of being in that third round. Yeah. I think all six of them do. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely look at that part of the draw. When I was doing the first stream this morning with the qualifier, someone asked me which of the 32 seeds do you want to crack at? And the answer is Clemens for me right now. Of the 32 seeded players, Clemens was the shout because I think you can get at him. I think you can put him under pressure. Don't get me wrong, he's more than capable of going up there and chucking a mid 90s and a 35% checkout percentage. And, and then you've got a tough game. But set play, I think you've got a chance to get it, Gabriel. And the fact you then run into Wadey as your other seed as well, I think you've just got a chance to, to have a crack in that part of the draw. So Jim Williams, Bielecki will definitely fancy that. Willie O'Connor and Bo Greaves, look, if Bo turns up and produces her A game, she's got a very, very good chance there. I think a lot of people are underestimating Willie O'Connor right now. He is a I, very, I very agree. seasoned, solid professional yeah, yeah, yeah. who... I don't think the atmosphere or the moment will get to Willie O'Connor. I think Willie O'Connor is a bit like James Wade. Whatever Willie O'Connor turns up on stage in the very first leg or the very first couple of legs is going to stay there regardless of the situation. No matter what transpires through the rest of the match, if he goes to a fifth leg decider in every single set, if he cruises through, he gets battered, he will stay at the same level. No, I I fully agree. Um, what else jumped at... Um, The Van Dyvenberder section, I think, is interesting. Along with Wade and Clemens being the two seeds you target, I think Dirk and Ross are the ones you wanted to avoid. They're both on the up. They're both 
people are taking the game away from you. And the fact you've got Sedlicek versus Raymond Smith. Raymond was fantastic last year against Dirk. John O'Shea, Darius Labanowskis. They're two really good battles as well. Two pretty level ties, I think, in those potentially. But Labanowskis has not had the most fantastic year. The fact he's on the international qualifier side tells you that. But that's that's a tough battle for John O'Shea, especially when you consider what Darius has done up on that stage before. Sedlicek, Ross Smith against Dirk and Ross. Both of them have got aspirations for the Premier League. One of them's going to be gone by, well, at least one of them's going to be gone by the end of the third round. And the only other story, I think, that is a, there's a, an undertone, not just with the darts there, is the potential if Scott Williams can get past Ryan Joyce to play Rob Cross, because they are practice partners. Yep. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I think I think the little section he's in, Gary Anderson will be quite happy. Again, it could have been a lot worse. If you'd have said to Gary, out of all the players, you're going to play the winner of Madas Razmar and Prakash Jiwa, I think he had taken that all day long. Yeah, I'll do as well. Mm, to an extent, I, I don't think the pace of Rasma will suit Gary at all. But it's Gary, and pace it's Gary out, which, is, which is different. Yeah. Um, the rest of the year, the rest of Gary's form and everything goes completely out the window at Ali Pali. Because oh, that's Gary. another one that's getting fine. Uh, Rasma's got a fine coming from mine in as well for his social media tweet. I didn't see the original. I, I saw the follow Um. Again, um, let's do Lisa as well. She plays Ryan Meikle. Tough one. Meikle is solid. And again, not the easiest to play against. We all know Lisa likes to just rattle on and get on with it. Um, not going to happen in that game. That We all know Ryan's pace is, is Ryan's pace. And, and for the same reason, if Meikle comes through that, Barney will find that uncomfortable. For, yeah. for exactly the same reason. Yeah, yeah. Barney's practice partner is Desvan, who plays at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and the other one is obviously Fallon against Ricky. Out of all three of them, I think Fallon has the better one, the better draw of the three. Not because Ricky's a, a, a poor player, but there is spectrums to Ricky Evans' game. He will either go up there on average high, high 90s, or it will be mid to low 80s, I think. I, I just think at the moment with the Ricky Evans game, there is no in-between. If it's the high-end one, he wins. But if it's not, then it engages everything else. I, I disagree on that. I, I would have potentially said Ryan Meikle as the three of the, the better of draws would have been. For all three, there is there is people in that draw who they've sort of got players who there's players on that side of the draw you wouldn't want. They've sort of avoided the top sort of echelon of that. Yeah, they've avoided the big hitters, but equally there's some players the other side of the draw who we probably spoke about and 
who they would have wanted and they've also avoided them. So they've sort of hit the middle of the pack from what I would say from that 32. All three of them would fit into that. All winnable. Could have been harder, but equally could have been that little bit easier for the three. Be interesting to see when the when the three are scheduled as well. I've got a fair idea where one will be. Yeah, yeah. I was more aiming at the other two, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to see if I can predict what else is going to be on opening night because Mansell versus Rob will not be quick. And by the same logic, the winner of that will not be quick against Peter Wright late on. So I'm seeing if I can pick off two slightly faster first-round games so they can make up time on opening night. So I think we might also see Watermaina versus Rafferty on the opening night. And potentially... Yeah, so. Roby Johnny Largan or Akeem Barry against Grant Sampson, maybe. I don't know an awful lot about Grant. Apart from the fact that you won the African qualifier. Yeah, I, I agree that they will look to speed it up for that exact reason. Which won't be Men Menzies is quick, but I don't think Portella is. We could get a Zonavald Lou Williams. I don't think Zonavald's that quick. No, he's not. not. I thought he was right. right. I'm not sure Louis is either. Jeff Smith, they'll just get on with it. Beaten Van Baggish Tripp, Cam that's what we'll get. Steve Beaton opening night against Danny Van Tripp. I'm sure Beaton had opening night 2020 as well. Opening night will be Mansell against Rob, Watermana against Rafferty, Beaten against Van Tripp and Wright versus the winner of Mansell and Rob. And there's definitely a few in there that scream afternoon session as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. You don't have to. You've got to look at them. We, 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 know, we know how it works. Um, but yeah, that that was the the world draw. Like we said, we're not going to go in depth in it because we will do our preview in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the schedule, I don't think it will be out tomorrow because it's. I think it, look, it's a big effort to try and coordinate this opening round stroke round two. So I think we may get it Wednesday afternoon. I think would be a fair one, don't you? At the earliest. You'll yeah, definitely have it before Friday. Yeah. Um, look, the, the, the world is like none other when they're trying to organise this. Um, See, Mickey Mansell's playing Ben Robb, and because the winner of that plays Peter Wright, they've got to play first, Johnny. That's the opening game of the World Championship. Yeah, that, Ben Robb is not can you believe that Mickey Mantle is going to open a world championship? Uh, the man's yeah, earned it, right? Because he's not the most aesthetically not... pleasing dark player. Right? He's not going to sit here and knock him, but it just it just won't be quick. But he's earned it ability. Yeah, he's he's you seen the timing? They've moved the world championship start times four o'clock on Thursday. 
No, I'm joking. Yeah, he's a Mickey's a very good player. Just <laughs> very good player. <laughs> he's just like Chorluca playing at Spurs. Two speeds, slow and stop. Mm. I hope so, Jamie. I hope the stage is not just grey. For two and a half weeks. That's going to be the biggest one, isn't it? On opening night, is that first stage. Because the William Hill stage has been synonymous. I don't think they've made it yet. Well, tell them. If it's grey, nobody's coming. (laughs) You already know. I'll send a WhatsApp. Two seconds. Correct. The Online Darts Live Lounge demand that the stage is not grey. When our background's grey on here. It's your fault. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, we've, we've been speaking about this, that everything will be getting a revamp for 2023. All the intros, thumbnails and backgrounds. It should be, but that means more work for you. <laughs> it's fine. I enjoyed we doing promised it. promised people that, more like two and a half years ago, Phil. Well, you know, we'll get there in the end. But let's not let's not make promises we can't keep because I started the watch along for the World Championship draw with a Fallout Bar intro because we didn't have one. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, we we, I, we know what we need to do for next year in terms of generic stuff yeah um yeah um if you haven't yet make sure you drop us a like as well and make sure you subscribe we are close to that 30k mark to get there before the world would be good more barney alarm do you know what I think we have to retire the Barney alarm next year. You can tell them. I'm not. Everyone in the chat room, this is this is this is not the views of online darts, is it, Lee Boys? This is a rogue comment from Jack nope. Garwood that we had no we had no knowledge it was coming. It's not a rogue comment, Hear it's a out. stupid comment. Stupid. No 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 no. It served its purpose. Barney is back in the upper echelons of PDC World Darts. He's top 32 player, right? We need to pick somebody else who comes through Q School this year to be our alarm player. I get this, and I know where you're coming from. And to start with, I'll just play the thing. We had no intention of ever using the Barney alarm ever again after Q School. And that first Pro Tour... The chat room absolutely blew up when we didn't play it. Yeah. I mean, the reason we made a Barney alarm was to annoy Jar. Yeah, and we got rid of yeah, him. That worked. We needed yeah, to get rid of you. wind Jar up and, do you know what, to bring a little bit to our coverage. But I'm just saying, new year, new start, freshen up a bit. It sounds like a perfect question for a poll, is what I'd say, though. Maybe it's one uh, for next week. 
Next it sounds like a perfect It has to be. It has to be somebody that comes through Q School next year. Then the rules. The year's not over. Play it as much as you want. It's not going to annoy me. It's not going to upset me. And I'm not going to be fuming if it stays, right? The concept, I think, is brilliant. The fact that everybody in the chat room loves it. The fact that people call you out when you miss it on live streams is brilliant. But it served its purpose now. We, as online dogs, have got Barney to the top 32. I'm taking complete credit for it because of the alarm. (laughs) Nothing else. Not his own performances. Not TV success. No, nothing. That alarm got Barney to the top 32 in just under two years and potentially higher, depending on how he plays at this World Championship, right? We need to elevate somebody else. We, we need, can we elevate need to somebody else. We can elevate somebody else while keeping the Barney alarm. We can just have something new for someone else. It doesn't have to be the turn it, it dilutes alarm. the alarm. It dilutes so the what alarm. Happens, what happens if it, when he drops out the 32? If he's 33 and... February, do we bring it back? He's had a bad two months. Yeah, are we then at blame for his form drop? See, yeah. this is like the undeveloped. One thing you developed, you're not in there, you're not. Don't be mad, be back. He's done his job, he's got in there. If he comes through Q school, I'll make the Hendo horn. Please. <laughs> Big Hendo Weekendo on tour for two years. Um, oh, there's some, the alarm has there's to some be, stuff. The Hendo up. horn has to be bagpipes as well. There's some stuff priced up here. Mace has got the prices. So Ricky Evans is one to three to beat Fallon. Ryan Meekle two to five to beat Lisa. And Willie's one to three to beat Bo. Meekle's the sh- shortest. I make him the biggest favourite, personally. I, I agree. I, I would have. I think that Meekle's the the bigger favourite out of them all. That's yeah. a surprise. Not not for me. I'd have preferred to play. If I was having one of those three, I'd prefer to play Meekle. Not after the year he's had. No, he's had a no, fantastic year. year he's had no chance. With his pace and the numbers he's posted this year, I think he's the toughest. Well, for a change, it looks like me and Buck Mathers agree on something. <laughs> I backed against Willie O'Connor every round for four rounds in mine head one year, and he won every single one at last leg deciders. Um, I suppose, as well, we can do from that World Championship qualifier today. Obviously, there has been some casualties that are no longer tour card holders. Um Glenn Durrant, John Henderson, Willie Borland, Jeffrey DeJuan. Q School's going to be a bit jazzy this year, isn't it? There's going to be some big names there. Yeah, if they all do, depending on who's playing. Obviously, the announcement from Glenn is very much like he's not going to be there, but we could see him the year after. Um, Q-Stall's going to be an interesting one. 
because obviously you've got the players who've dropped out, but you've also got so much away from the PDC tour now that there may be more big names not entered all than what we normally say. Normally, it seems to be anyone who's not on the tour who's a professional player, previously a professional player, or all that sort of stuff. We you tend to see every single one enter, but for me, there'll be a fair few names not enter who you would normally expect to. Here's one for you, and, and, and this links um, as well. There, obviously, we had an announcement that the WDF is going back to Lakeside for three years. No date. All they've said is it won't be in the first quarter of the year. Now, and by the way, this isn't a bash or, or whatever before anyone says. As a player. Yeah, um, yeah right. No, it's not genuine. It's not. It's a question for as as a player here. You've been told there will be a world championship, but you have no date. If there is no date by the Q school close of play entry, what do you do? Do you not enter Q school on the hope that the prize money is good and everything, or do you enter? <laughs> Are we doing it, Shorty Mac? Like, this wasn't this, this, this was a genuine question that they've told everyone that there will be one. It won't be in the first quarter of the year. That's fine. But if there's no date by the time Q School comes around as a player, what do you do? Both. You, you go to Q School, don't you? Right, and at that point, you're hedging your bets. If you pick up a tour card, you're good enough to be a tour card holder. Then the rules. Not necessarily 100% always accurate, but pick up a tour card. You've got the opportunity to earn significant amount of cash over the next two years, right? And you basically write off the WDF world. If you don't get through, you've got the Challenge Tour, the ADC, the Super Series. If you're over 50, the Seniors. If you're under 23, the development tour or whatever else and you still got a crack at that world championship when it rolls around as you've qualified for i think if you do anything else you're a little bit naive if, if there's no information either way you head your bet straight down the middle and you say i'm happy with the outcome either way yeah i'm with you i don't see why you yeah, wouldn't no, i think no. well Still, perfect example probably is the interview you did not that only a few weeks ago with with Neil and Neil saying that he wanted to defend and all that sort of but he's with the amount of options that Tom Boy don't to you stall, even if you don't let you card with challenge as well. If you can financially afford to do and then it opens up all those windows, and then if you let a tour card, then then great. If you don't why not? And there's certain players who it's probably slightly different too. Because depending on your age, I think the the seniors bracket probably opens up more questions for some of those that you maybe not have had before. But generally, if financially you can afford to that, well, you've got the the management backing. Then for me, I think you will be doing. The only reason I mentioned that there'll be some names who are not is because you've got those other opportunities now where people might look at 
what the players outside the top 64 earn and what op- opportunities arise there. But if you're at a certain age and your ambition is to be the best in the world or to earn a living from being a professional darts player, then you 100% should be down to Q-Store. I'm not even sure it's where your ambitions lie either. I genuinely think for at least 10 to 15 players that will go to at least day one of Q school, the first weekend of the challenge tour is more important to them than the weekend of Q school and putting themselves in a good position. There are, there are quite a few who intend to go to Q school to make themselves eligible for the challenge tour play Challenge Tour, play Super Series. If you're old enough for seniors, play seniors. Play on the ADC, which is taking another step up next year. There is WDF events that are still eligible for all that as well. At no point am I naive enough to suggest that every single player in the world is better off not having a tour card, right? Because at some point, somebody has to win the money in the PDC. And it's not going to be the same six players constantly because of the way it filters down, right? There's still enough there for a considerable amount of players to earn a living, especially with even more increases due next year in prize money. You chance your arm, sneak into one major first-round prize money is decent enough. You're you're going to be set, all right? But those that are outside of it, not everybody can be a pro tour call-up. So there's going to be a lot of competition for that as well. January is massive. As if January isn't busy enough, by the way. Here's one for you. I don't think they will, but do you think they should bring back where you can just pay your 250 quid for the year or whatever it was and play on the Challenge Tour for the year? Because people going to Q School for one day could cock it all up in terms of if you draw that player on one day and get beaten by him, then he's not there for the next two or three, whatever it is, and where before you used to be able to not go to Q school, but just pay your money so you could play on the challenge tour. No. no not, not for me now. Just the amount of players that are at Q store that are actually going for the right reasons. The the yeah. challenge tour, the amount of players that are on the challenge tour is, is ridiculous. It's great, obviously, that people want to strive to be the best and try and get to what Stock's done this year. And However, I don't think you should just be able to pay to be on that tour when there's already another route in quick, which is useful. Then if well, that's basically, the case... it's similar anyway, in terms of turning up first day and then disappearing. They just have to turn up and throw some darts. As long as they don't deliberately throw matches to leave the building straight away, pick up a little bit of ranking points, some might change their mind. If somebody rocks up and has a really, really good day first day and actually is feeling in the groove, they might stay for the rest of the week and compete. You never know. They someone might genuinely might change their mind. Of the base of, someone wins first day. You're laughing? But I don't like this because that there are some good players and very good players that we know of that are just going to go for one day. Now, because yeah. there is no seeding or anything like that, if you're another very good player and you are unfortunate enough to draw that player on opening day, lose because he's decent, and then you miss out on your card they, not him. through that one yeah. result, and then that yeah. player doesn't play again. 
then you should have beaten them. Because if you're not good enough to beat a very good player that doesn't want to be there, then you but are then, good enough to be I, think, I think, then, personally, then it shouldn't be you have to play one day to be on the Challenge Tour. You have to play all the allocated days of your section. Whether that's Section 1 or Section 2, that you have to play every day to be eligible to play on the Challenge Tour, then. I No. Because then you get grey areas that people pull out with injury or whatever and proving it. And if the PD just, PDC decide one thing and think you're not being legit, there's another. And then you just get into whole lots of arguments. At the minute, you have to enter, you have to turn up, you have to play for one day. I, I don't mind that in the middle. I'm, I'm not a fan, personally. Not a fan. Um... The whole Q score system is flawed, so this is just adding one extra level to it at worst. Yeah, but when it makes over £350,000, you're never going to get rid of it. No. But the same thing applies. Once a player's qualified for the Players' Championship Finals, you're saying they shouldn't be allowed to play on the Pro Tour because it stops others qualifying for the Pro Tour for the Players' Championship Finals. No. No, but it's, a, it's different because of what you're trying to win. You're trying to win a tour card. There's no... Trying to win a finishing Yeah, but there's benefits of being seeded and getting higher up for that. There's no benefit. Right. Whether you finish one on the order of merit or eight, it's exactly the same thing with, the, with Q School. There's no benefit to finish higher. Um, right, we'll open up the chat room as well. Get your questions in. Um, a couple of bits in the week of darts. Uh, congratulations to Jamie Kellen. Booked his place at finals night. don't think many people saw that one coming. If you don't know Jamie particularly, look, he's got a good, good level to him. The 107 to beat Warby on the Friday, I think it was. And then 95 in the final was decent stuff. Used up all his lives to get there. Had to rely on results to qualify on the Friday. Very nearly similar on the Saturday as well. But look, if you get given them yeah. chances, you've got to go and take them. And he definitely did that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, have we missed anything else in a week of darts? Probably. Um, well, I said no to any announcements. There was an announcement. So the WDDF, I know you mentioned it briefly. But um, announced that they've agreed with Lakeside for three years. Um, so we're going to have, we are going to have a World Championships in 2023 at some stage, and one at 24 and 25 at Lakeside. So a three-year partnership has been agreed there. Just out of interest, obviously, we were told by very good sources that the deal for Lakeside last year. If it's on those same terms, a three-year deal, deal seems suicide. It does. It does. It does feel a bit like that. However, the, the sort of the positive spin on it, I guess, is one thing we haven't seen from the WDF recently is a is a commitment to a longer-term vision. We haven't really seen no, no, obviously no. the announcement with the Masters was a bit behind the World Championship. We still haven't got a date. However, what we have got confirmation of is the next three years of the World Championships. 
the, yeah, okay. uh, obviously. Uh, we had the same source around late side. Yeah, we had the same source around late side. In but from a business model point of view, if it's that we don't know this yet, it's only just come out, but I'm sure we'll find that in, in due course. Um, but if it's the, the same kind of deal from a business model point of view, it's not particularly great, is it? No, in it's terms not. of how they structure prize money and everything else, no. But as I said previously, for this organisation, this tournament just has to exist, right? And for that, it needs TV coverage and it needs prize money. And at the minute, a large part of that is paid for by Lakeside itself. What they need to do is market the event better and sell tickets a lot cheaper. Just get people in the building, get it looking good again, make it attractive to people. If that takes three years fine right but now they have a base where this is set for three years what they have to do is grow the rest of their tour again they have to go and get interest in the world masters they have to go and get interest in the world trophy or whatever else and build up from there again knowing that they've got the roots set for the world championship they've got a little bit of security look it's not going to generate a millions and millions of pounds that they can go and start go on a spending spree and compete with the pdc if it is under the same guise as the previous deal for the return or, or the WDF first edition of the World Championship. Right, but the fact they've got three years now to build up, there's still structure there for the um, associate members or the, the various nations to still affiliate to, to still request ranking points for, for all their opens. That part of the tour stays alive. And that's essential for them to start with. Oh, yeah, that, I wasn't. It was more good that there's a date, but like I say, just the, the business model. I hope that they've negotiated it better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. I would personally, as much as they've confirmed the first quarter of the year is not going to hold the world championships. Personally, now looking at it, I would prefer that to be later on in the year. From a to to Dobbs' points, hundred percent to market the events. To sell the tickets, what you don't want to do is this announcement. I mean, post Masters time around end of December, early January, hopefully December, because the, it puts the players in a better position for Tuesday. But they've also got a date to it. To I don't know, let's say it was September. You've still got eight months then to sell an event, to build an event up at your World Championship. Yes, they need to look into the rankings. Yes, they need to look at players who have already qualified to make sure it doesn't have an impact. However. Give them time to actually try and sell the event. And you need to sell it at a better price. I, you, you can have you can give me the event for twenty twenty five. But if the price is if the price is the same as what there was last year, an event in three years' time of Martin still won't sell at that price, unfortunately. So hopefully they'll come up with a better package and a better deal that'll that'll sell and and one thing that that's from a from a darts fan perspective is there's a potential with a world championship, it's in a clash, and the PDC events seem to run all year round, so there's potential there. But hopefully, they'll find the right window that doesn't mean it's clashing with a huge event. We've on PDC, ADC, or seniors that will have an impact, and hopefully, it's seen as a singular event that we can all watch and enjoy, like we have done before. That's the hope, and we all want that as much as we've criticized it massively over the past couple of months. We all want the event to run successfully and be an event that is well supported there's still question marks there on that though I, I think with the pdc calendar like you say not clashing 
they either have to go in April or at very worst August. So it only clashes with World Series events. I'll take that. World Series or Euros, or you could pick off. I think. Yeah. It's. I've I've always thought it's a perfect tee up for the worlds. Why not stick it now? There is a gap between the players' championship finals and the world championship, where you can build on the fact that PDC have just spent the last six months building up to their biggest tournament in the world. And all eyes are on darts, and it's a poor time of the year to go out and do anything else and whatever else. The other option is Easter holidays, but that was pretty much where it was last year, and it didn't generate the interest that it should have in terms of families and whatever. The biggest advice I can give. I'm not sure why it'd be advice from somebody who's not done a lot, but just just hire a PR company for one year. Take the cost, take the hit. A proper PR company as well, not the ones that they've used previously, not where they've been stung, not with the stupid deals they've signed in the past that have absolutely screwed them over. For one year, go and hire people that know what they are doing. Because as much as the BDO, the WDF and whatever has always been a democracy, the issue with it is that too many people believe they have a say in it or, or too many people are entitled to a say in it and at that point nothing ever moves forward i am i am not a dictator at all i, I, I like politics and, and whatever else but some instances you have to remove the amount of voices that have a say you have to say this is how we're going to do it you have to trust the people at the very very top to get a job done and at this point pay somebody to help you do that Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely uh, agree. Right, question time then. We're, um, we've got a couple of minutes, so let's get them in, everyone. Um, plenty of interviews dropping over the next 10 days, as well as our World Championship coverage starts. It's going to be busy, isn't it? Yeah. As if my life isn't busy enough. <laughs> I will. Uh... Yeah. I have, I have a driving test before the World Championship starts. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Mace has answered Tommy's question there exactly why. Uh, Tommy asked, why did the PDC start holding the World Championship over Christmas and New Year? Um, yeah, people are off work. Um, it creates a buzz. It's an it's an easy sell. Like you think, Ali Pally before Christmas um, as the biggest Christmas party. And you have to suspect that perhaps there was an element of we'll get in just before the BDO back in the days when they were genuine rivals. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, China Premier League 2023. Um, yeah, I guess there'll be another Chinese Premier League. Um, right. Uh, no, right. So our world preview will be Monday the... 12th? 12th. 
Um, yeah, so it will be that. Um, what else have we got? Oh, just out of interest, is are we agreeing that MVG is the huge favourite for the Worlds this year now? Yeah. Yeah. I think Michael Smith is second favourite as well. Um, on current form, I yeah, I agree with you. I think look, Peter Wright is fantastic, but the fact that Joe has been ill means that there are other things on his mind. She's back and in good health again, which is good, but, but just missed out on the biggest tune-up tournament possible and he's been so up and down all year once again um concerned over gezi's form can't lie he's, he's still producing moments of brilliance but he's not producing it as often i think he's more vulnerable than he's been for the last couple of years that barney quarter's not ideal so we'll have no fear whitlock if it's whitlock or jose potentially even, even Luke Woodhouse could get at him. I don't mean that disrespectfully to Luke Woodhouse either, by the way, but if Woodhouse turns up and averages the mid-90s that he's capable of with that 35 to 40% on the doubles, there's a good chance that's enough to get a price early on. Well, yeah, you think the year he won it, there were chances early on to get him. See, I think it's a nice section for price. I, there's there's people who tend that at him. I don't disagree, Dob, but I, I actually think that's a that's a favourable section. Ish, but there's scar tissue from Barney from the slam very recently, twice. Barney's died that three. So Whitlock are both more than capable. And when that opens up, probably Danny Knopper. Without completely writing off the other eleven players in that part of the draw. Jamie says, "Where's Gary's in the favourite list? Somewhere near the bottom. Out of in terms of the seeds." Gary Doby could be a fantastic game. Well, yeah, they had one, was it three or four years ago? They had an absolute Brahma in round three, didn't they? And Dobie just seems to have found a, a calmness to his game, a little bit more assured in the big moments at the minute. Not all the time, yeah, no, but I'm... more frequently. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Um, well, folks... We're going to round it all up. We've gone deep into Fergie time. Um, but it's been another great live lounge with you all. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Remember, the Super Series returns in the morning, 9.30, Sporty Stuff TV, and on the Super Series YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out, boys. It's always been a pleasure. Remember, make sure you like and subscribe to Online Darts. Plenty coming up um, over the next two weeks before the world. Sit down with Mace planned 
as well for next week. So we'll be doing an extended one with Chris, which is always fun. Um, but plenty coming up. I'm in Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Lee Boyce, gentlemen. Absolute pleasure as always. And we'll see you all next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.